Well, uh, good evening, and welcome to another edition of Gray Matters, the weekly news and media talk show. My name is Dick Whaley. And I'm Jim Dwyer. Well, uh, kind of an interesting week politically. President Obama announces a visit to Cuba. That's pretty legacy-oriented in my book. I don't think Obama's got to worry too much about his legacy while we continue to have silly debates about whether or not he should be allowed to appoint a successor for Scalia's seat. Which, then, uh, it's yeah. pretty clear that the Constitution does allow for that. Yeah. In it's, fact, it uh, it's kind of strongly recommended. In fact, if Obama didn't announce a replacement, they'd probably try an impeachment for dereliction of duty. Right. <laughs> What a circus we're living in, and, uh, well, the primary gets interesting yet again. Um, there's no question that Donald Trump is the frontrunner in the GOP. And, uh, boy, they don't like it. Well, he's only getting a third of the vote. At least that's what he won New Hampshire with, and that's what he won South Carolina with, and won, won that was basically his... Uh, his margin, but the Republican system, at least in South Carolina, lets him take all the delegates for getting 35% of the vote. So the Republicans have set up a system that's uh, going to doom their <laughs> their party, perhaps. Well, and we'll see. It'll be interesting to see, of course, uh, state by state, uh, the primaries that allow non-registered Republicans to vote in the primary, as Michigan is one. Yeah, um, there's a lot of people who cross over, and uh, that's the only time they vote Republican is when they're trying to throw a curveball uh, into the primary system from outside. Or, or this year, I think there's some evidence because Republican turnout is up and Democratic turn turnout is down, which has uh, probably uh, hurt Bernie a little bit and sort of uh, betrays the fact that there's this massive infusion of. Energy for Bernie, though there clearly is uh, with some of the younger people. But what we're left with in the Republican Party now with the departure of Jeb. And I think that with Donald Trump as the front runner, I think Green Acres is going to have to make a comeback as a show. <laughs> After all, he said in bum, Iowa, bum, bum. I love Iowa. I'll be back. I might buy a farm. <laughs> he said about South Carolina that he knows the state better than many of the people who live there now. He knows every blade of grass. Well, and yeah, and then, of course, he invented a, apparently a story about General John J. Pershing, uh, head of the uh, American Army during World War One. I. I don't know where Trump came up with that story, but uh, it has yet to be authenticated. So Ben Carson remains, but the reputation of John J. Pershing apparently doesn't. Uh, we got Mark Rubio giving another victory speech. Uh, wait a minute, dude. You finished second. <laughs> I am totally puzzled with Rubio. He remains a well, he's curious going, character. He's going to be high school uh, class president, you know, student council class president yet. You watch. Yeah, and it's funny. He may actually benefit a little bit from Jeb Bush dropping out. I suspect that most of... Uh, his uh, 8 to 9% support is going to go to John Kasich and Marco Rubio. Rubio may assume that, you know, coming in second is a win because 
he's thinking to himself, there's no way Trump's going to be given the nomination. There's no way the party will give him the nomination. But if he racks up the delegates, that's the system. Well, and, and obviously next Tuesday is 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 going to be the key day for uh, both Bernie Sanders and uh, Ted Cruz. Uh, we have numerous states uh, voting, and if Ted Cruz can't produce some wins, uh, he may be doomed as well. But as for Marco Rubio... Uh, his victory speeches are worthy of H.L. Mencken. I have always loved this portion of an essay called Gamelese, in which H.L. Mencken was commenting on Warren G. Harding's State of the Union. <laughs> and, of course, I mentioned Warren G. Harding in connection with Calvin Coolidge, the last American president to actually visit Cuba. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, Return to normalcy was uh, Warren G. Harding's slogan. He was a senator. He won with a massive uh, plurality, majority, one of the biggest landslides in American history. But listening to Warren G. Harding's State of the Union, or inauguration address, I should say, Mencken wrote, I rise to pay my small tribute to Mr. Rubio in this case, setting aside a college professor or two and half a dozen dipsomaniacal newspaper reporters. He takes first place in my Valhalla of literati. That is to say, he writes the worst English that I've ever encountered. It reminds me of a string of wet sponges. It reminds me of tattered washing on the line. It reminds me of stale bean soup, of college yells, of dogs barking idiotically through endless nights. It is so bad, and a sort of grandeur creeps into it. It drags itself out of the dark abysm, I was going to write abscess, of pish, and crawls to the topmost pinnacle of posh. It is rumble and bumble. It is flap and doodle. It is balder and dash. I grow lyrical. <laughs> yes, I grow lyrical listening to Marco Rubio's victory speeches. Well, like I say, there's a student council somewhere out there desperately in need of a bright young fellow to be their president. Well, the upcoming debate uh, in the Republican Party this Thursday ought to be fascinating because... Where's this one at? Not exactly sure, but it's obviously a... They scheduled one for Detroit. That hasn't happened yet, though. No, I, I don't think it's... I don't think it's in Detroit. It's basically anticipation of Super uh, okay. Super Tuesday, yeah. which is next Tuesday. Right, and the Michigan primary is March 8th. The week after. So that's and probably when that one is coming. That's where... John Kasich apparently is uh, going to make his stand if he is still standing. Ben Carson, meanwhile, <laughs> the lost sheep of the Republican Party, remains still in the race. Waiting in the wings for his stage call. Yes. I think that man needs a shot of moonshine to get back into the race. Because usually at the debates he seems like he is either asleep or a lost sheep, to say the least. And his uh, continuance in the race seems to kind of be an effort to block Trump and Cruz. 
temperamentally, he's uh, kind of the antithesis of Trump. And he perhaps takes great, and of course, Trump attacked him pretty vociferously when he rose to the top, the cream of the crop, for about six weeks in October somehow, uh, regarding his biography. As for Donald Trump, uh, his jobs program, I think, consists of perhaps slave labor, reminiscent of the Egyptian pyramids, to build the wall. He's promised the wall. Mexico's going to pay for it. He's promised that. And he continues to promise to deport 11 million people. Uh, that's going to require something resembling the SS. <laughs> so America ought to get very interesting under President Trump. <laughs> get used to it. <laughs> well, we laugh. We joke. But I seriously, deep down in my gut, I don't see him as an electable national figure. I really think that if Trump is lucky enough to uh, secure the official Republican nomination, because they're in there pulling their hair out, you know they are. They have no idea what to do. They don't know what to do. None of their uh, you know, traditional or official candidates are viable either. Um, they have no elder statesmen. They only have elders at this point. Right. Uh, they're, Bob Dole. <laughs> the entire senator in the 80s or 90s, and some of them are running for re-election, including Senate of the Judiciary Committee Chairman Chuck Grassley, who initially uh, fell in line with Mitch McConnell's uh, crazy idea of postponing. Oh, and by the way, just for American history buffs, John Marshall was put in to the position of Chief Justice in the last year of John Adams's presidency. Art the nation's first. Hmm. I think I've heard of him. So the, the idea that this is unprecedented or that this has never happened, as Marco Rubio insists, is, is, is pure nonsense. This uh, is just the bad luck of the draw and the way the system works. Most justices on the Supreme Court retire before dying in office. <laughs> True. Even Oliver Wendell Holmes retired before dying in office. Uh, it just seems that Rehnquist and uh, Scalia have taken this lifetime appointment, <laughs> literally. To its logical extreme. And Rehnquist's health, by the way, was known to be quite poor his last couple of years as Chief Justice. Um, I can accept that Scalia died suddenly but the idea that this is, quote, a conservative seat that must be preserved for a conservative nominee, the presumption being that the Republicans are going to win the presidency. <laughs> and again, based on which fumes they're huffing, uh, that's not really uh, the most likely scenario, I think, at the moment. Uh, so it, it's kind of a puzzling strategy. Uh, obviously... The cards look good for Hillary Clinton, but this is not set in stone. Uh, even the even the Nevada primary or caucuses, I should say, Bernie did respectable. He's in the race because the Democrats give out the delegates on a relative proportional basis. Right. So the margin of victory is the key, and obviously next Tuesday is the key for Bernie. 
Uh, he can't just win Vermont and remain in the race. <laughs> no, because Hillary gets super delegates out of that that really, you know, make that a draw. Yeah. So he, he's he's got to win a couple of the other uh, states that are in play that night. Uh, Minnesota probably would be his most likely victory uh, looking at the other states voting that day. Colorado, another possibility. But uh, well, for Kasich, I think Michigan is his last chance. Yeah. If he doesn't get significant numbers in Michigan, it's it's done for him, even though he is the most sane and the most competent of the batch. Um, that doesn't really televise well. And I think part of the, the circus atmosphere that's been engendered by the Trump candidacy is uh, just ratcheted the insanity level up to the point where uh, all the Republicans feel like they need to be competing with Trump on his level of I'm not a politician. I'm just some crazy rich guy running for. So the no holds barred effect is uh, we're seeing a lot more mendacity between the uh, Republican candidates than we are between Bernie and Hillary, who are fairly collegial to each other. Yeah. And I think the other thing that's bizarre about Trump, I don't think anybody in South Carolina voted for Trump based on his attacks on George W. Bush, uh, who certifiably goes down in history as America's worst president in American history. I think that Jeb just could not overcome uh, the legacy of George W. Bush. And that last appearance uh, before the South Carolina uh, primary where W. and his wife were brought up on stage uh, was just something Jeb had to do for family. Yeah. Because I think that wasn't going to turn the tide, um, even though W. you know did very well in South Carolina. The taint and the cost of those ill-conceived wars uh, we're going to be dealing with for decades to come. And let's also remember he was president during the financial crisis. Yep. <laughs> uh, Katrina. His legacy is is uh, one of those things that may take two generations to actually recover from. Right. And uh, Trump, of course, attacked uh George W. Bush, uh, pretty vociferously in the last televised debate, R rather a remarkable strategy. But then, of course, he proceeded throughout the rest of the week to defend torture. <laughs> right. Making him uh, not an honorary member of the John McCain fan club. John McCain has the opposite position on both of those issues from Donald Trump. Trump and, of course, Trump initial claim to fame in terms of insults was attacking John McCain. <laughs> so um, I, I'm not sure if Donald Trump can insult all 125 million Americans, <laughs> but he's working he's, on he's it. He's trying, and I think given enough time, certainly, and, and this is the thing that just keeps pounding in the back of my head like a throbbing headache that won't go away is there's seven more months. Yeah. Seven more months of this. Meanwhile, I heard about a zoo that is hiring a person to dress up in a panda suit. <laughs> Requirement, must like wearing a warm, furry costume all day and be really lazy and lay in the, lay in the zoo as a <laughs> fake panda. <laughs> so there is, future, there is a future for Jeb Bush. There you go. <laughs> Well, 
I have to think, too, and I don't know what your view on this is, but I'm willing to guess that a quarter, maybe even a third of the people voting for Trump really have no intention on voting for him in the fall. That this is just a, yeah, he's saying crazy stuff, but ah, it's probably not going to be really a, a good thing to do. But it's fun. You feel like you're part of a reality show that's that's ongoing. And, uh, you know, instead of phoning in your vote, who wants to, who do you want to cut from the show? All these reality shows have to have a, a high degree of, uh, uh, you know, psychological edginess so that you know, we want to keep the bitchy character because she keeps it spicy. And if we cut her from the island, then there's not, not sure. as many arguments. It's not as entertaining. So, yeah, I keep voting. I'm going to vote for Trump just because this is so crazy. Well, and he it's it's clearly documented that he has the, quote, biggest following of all the candidates on social media. Um, I'm starting to become convinced, by the way, that there is a certain percentage of the millennial voters uh, who are convinced that socialism has something to do with social media. Yeah. Um, <laughs> in other words, there's a kind of a weirdness about Trump's whole presentation. Uh, he, he says he's going to... Um, <clears throat> slap giant tariffs on Japan and China uh, to create jobs here in the United States. I don't know how that works, actually. Um, the jobs will, if that's what happens, will just move to even lower wage countries. So Trump's tariff, I guess he's bringing back the high tariff policy of William McKinley. <laughs> and uh, the, all those jobs can go to Cuba. I, I don't know what the plan is, really is. But if you want to go after China and America, by the way, you go after Walmart. Right. You do. Yeah, uh, that's, that's their number one retailer. Well, they account, if you look at the actual, quote, trade deficit, it's about a, a, a third to half of the trade deficit with China is Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it probably Amazon at this point. So. Um, I'm not too sure how Donald Trump's business acumen is beginning to pan out. Uh, he's advocated torture. <laughs> uh, I don't think we need to go into the Muslim thing uh, too much, but it, it's it's remarkable that in South Carolina, you don't lose any votes attacking Muslims, Mexicans. Oh, and the Pope, his newest, uh, <laughs> his newest foe, his newest target. As if the Pope is somehow running for president. The Pope, of course, was in Latin America uh, the past couple of weeks um, doing what this particular Pope does, talking about uh, inequality, uh, some of the, quote, Christian uh, hang-ups that he's got with Donald Trump. But, uh, yeah, a, a debate between the Pope and Donald Trump uh, doesn't strike me as productive for the United States of America. No. Uh, I uh, encountered uh, a, a remarkable uh, incident yesterday that i got to share with you and the listeners here. I was grocery shopping yesterday with my daughter, and I let my daughter run the uh, things up on the auto checkout teller. I went over to look at the newspapers at the grocery store, and I overhear a conversation between a grocery store cashier and the bagger. And uh, the cashier says, no way, I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump, even if you gave me a million bucks. 
And the young lady behind him running the next cash register over said, what wouldn't you do for a million bucks? And he said, I wouldn't vote for Donald Trump for a million bucks. <laughs> Would you? And she said, and I kid you not, who's Donald Trump? Really? Yeah. And this <laughs> young man who was the uh, the first cashier is probably 19, 20-year-old uh, fellow. His eyes got really big, and he was like, no way. And I chimed in at this point. I'm holding my newspaper looking at it. I said, wow, really right. loud. And she looked at me, and I didn't want her to feel bad because I, I wasn't making fun of her. Sure. So I gave her the thumbs up and said, good for you. You're better off not knowing. And the first cashier said, that's for damn sure. <laughs> so <laughs> there you have it. There are people out there who not only wouldn't vote for Donald Trump for a million bucks. No, I'm sure he would take the million in a second if Donald Trump gave it to him. Well, if it was an actual check in hand, <laughs> this fellow may have. But the fact that the young lady had didn't know who he was was the biggest laugh I've had in a month. Well, and and yeah, that 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 is a rather remarkable. Uh, you kind of wonder. She probably goes to work at a church and to you know help out with her grandma or something, and just doesn't really follow the infotainment. The infotainment probably doesn't watch. Well, she certainly couldn't watch television because Donald Trump is. He's, he's ubiquitous. He's, he's everywhere. Inescapable, exactly. And I think I've seen some remarkable data about the the the, the complete overcoverage of Donald Trump. He gets lots of coverage. That apparently is part of his strategy: say outrageous things, keep getting in the news. Uh, of course, when the fact checks start coming in, and there's more scrutiny about Donald Trump, I think uh, he'll start having more and more explaining to do. To quote Sarah Palin, um, <laughs> then of course one of my yeah, is he prepared for the ratcheting up of scrutiny that will come should he get the nomination? Well, his business dealings are so murky. Uh, these bankruptcies uh, that he's filed over the years, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Trump has a uh, washing line full of tattered <laughs> liens. Uh, broken promises and all sorts of other business shenanigans. Let's remember that our last uh, president, whose uh, credentials that he presented to the American people as a reason to vote for him, was George W. Bush. Uh, enough said. <laughs> uh, last in war, last in peace, and last in the heart of his countrymen. And as for the Supreme Court... Um, you know, it's interesting. I uh, One of the Harper's Index items that I'll never, ever forget was the number of Americans who knew who Judge Wapner was, 77%. Number of Americans who knew who the Chief Justice of the United States was, 9%. Yep. And it's been rather fascinating in this whole week of Scalia worship <laughs> to wonder if Scalia may rise from the dead. I'm beginning to suspect that there may be some bubbling applesauce somewhere in Ohio that might be the resurrection of Antonin Scalia. Oh, Who knows? Yeah. Of course, applesauce being... Applesauce. I was going to mention that earlier during your Mencken passage. That sounds like applesauce. <laughs> that was his uh, comment during the uh, equality in marriage uh dissent, wasn't it? It was. And uh, just to give uh, some equal time to Judge Scalia, 
not all bad. A couple of months ago, uh, the Supreme Court actually heard a, uh, a case uh, based on a gun law in a Chicago suburb which banned semi-automatic assault weapons and magazines that hold in more than 10 rounds. That's a reasonable ban. I think most Americans would agree. This is what Scalia wrote, contrary to the jurisprudence being promulgated by candidate Ted Cruz. He wrote, like most rights, Judge Scalia wrote, the right secured by the Second Amendment is not unlimited. He continued, nothing in our opinion should be taken to cast doubt on longstanding prohibitions on the possession of firearms by felons and the mentally ill, or laws forbidding the carrying of firearms into sensitive places such as schools and government buildings, or laws imposing conditions and qualifications on the commercial sale of arms. We also recognize another important limitation on the right to keep and carry arms, prohibiting the carrying of dangerous and unusual weapons, quote-unquote. That was Judge Scalia in the 5-4 majority opinion called Heller. It's actually part of his jurisprudence record. So when you hear advocates of unlimited rights to bear arms, even Judge Scalia recognized that no such thing existed. And uh, certainly no uh, sportsmen or uh, you know, sport hunters uh, would have their rights impinged by such a law. And this, by the way, was a writ of certiorari kind of uh, procedure without going into too much detail on it. The Supreme Court declined to hear the challenge to this law in the suburban Chicago banning uh, these machine guns, basically. Right. And uh, as the New York Times noted in their 9th of December uh, editorial, it was the 70th time since 2008 that the Supreme Court has declined to consider a lawsuit challenging a federal, state, or local gun regulation based on the Heller decision written by Judge Scalia. One of the reasons that I highly recommend that you check out this edition this was the day after Donald Trump uh, advocated banning Muslims from the United States until we figure out what's going on. <laughs> so, uh, and that was in, of course, the aftermath of the San Bernardino shooting in California. Which, which again, had more to do with their easy access to weapons than it did with uh, Islamic State. Yeah, and there's yet... No evidence that's been produced linking them to Syria. Uh, these were people of Pakistani and Saudi backgrounds. This is why I would suggest that there is a little bit of a cover-up occurring. Of course, last week the big debate was Apple and phone encryption and that whole FBI and the government trying to get the key to this phone and whatnot. Um, that obviously will continue as a public affairs issue for many weeks to come, so we can talk about that in the future. i uh, definitely like to remind you that you are listening to WCBN-FM Ann Arbor, and we would like to thank Andrew uh, for engineering once again 
this uh, evening. We'd also like to thank those who phoned in and pledged their support to WCBN throughout its uh, fundraiser, which has recently concluded. And we'll have totals and such uh, will be announced at one point by the uh, station's executive staff. And I don't think there's any question that Donald Trump will win the Nevada caucuses in the Republican primary. But next Tuesday will be very interesting. Minnesota, Alaska, Tennessee, Oklahoma, Georgia, Alabama, Texas, Virginia, Vermont, Massachusetts are some of the states voting that particular day. I think the other one might be Arizona or Arkansas. Starts with an A. But uh, And then we can brace ourselves for the uh, onslaught uh, as it comes to Michigan. And then... Hopefully we can hear another victory speech from <laughs> Marco Rubio and his bad English. Well, Yazoo City Calling is coming up next, but I want to quickly mention to listeners that the uh, poster, which is the sort of rough outline schedule for the uh, 54th Ann Arbor Film Festival, scheduled to occur between March 15th and March 20th uh, right here in downtown Ann Arbor, is available and you can probably pick up a copy at the Michigan Theater or at any number of other uh, businesses downtown or at the film festival office uh, itself. A lot of interesting documentaries in this year's program. So uh, good stuff to look at and plan your course. Okay, out of time, Yazoo City Calling coming up next. Particularly. WCBN FM Ann Arbor Pac-Man for the mind Thank you for tuning in to Yazoo City Calling. This is your host, Saladin. Join us now for our weekly one-hour excursion into the roots of American blues music and American history, if you're listening closely. Behind us right now, you hear Big Fat Mama Blues by Tommy Johnson. Later on, we have a little bit of Big Bill Brunzi for you. And some man's lips come, so stay tuned here to Yazoo City Calling, right here at WCBN FM Ann Arbor. Big fat mama, better need she caught a bone. I do, got to mama, got to mama, no. Big fan mama, Lord. 